Welcome to the Trinity Radio Podcast. This podcast has a video component found at youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter. This means you might miss some visual aspects of the show, but it shouldn't have a serious negative effect. We'd love it if you'd run over to the YouTube channel real quick and subscribe. And if you enjoy this content, do us a favor. Take a moment to give us a five-star review on iTunes and mention a couple of things you like about the podcast. If you really appreciate the show, you can help make it better and get extra content for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash trinity radio. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Braxton Hunter, and I have some friends along with me today, but I want to tell you how excited I am that you have found you. Look at you. You found the channel that loves atheists, the Christian channel that loves atheists. Today, I have with me my pastor, Brett Nicholson, on the right, and on the left, Sarah Inman, who is the communications director for the One Life Network. The reason it's called that is because there are three campuses to our church, and uh, so this was kind of a big event and, and um, uh, for our area because it was streamed to these different churches, not a lot of churches around here doing that sort of thing. And we're so excited about it. And I was so honored to be a part of it. Brett and Sarah, thanks for being on the show today. I'm excited to be here. I don't I don't really know if I'm going to help contribute, but I'm Oh, I'm you will. Try. You always contribute well. Best. Yeah, because we're also <laughs> co-host of our podcast. That's so true. that's yeah. that. So we have we've had Braxton on and we've contributed and, and uh, yeah. Look over there. <laughs> Do what? Is it okay to look over? Yeah, there? yeah. Okay. All In right, fact, right. I'll tell you what, and I don't mind for people to see this on the video. The windows are arranged. I always put myself on the left side, but the windows are arranged right now this way because people kept saying, when you talk to Pritchett, you go like this, and you're looking the wrong way on the screen. So I, fl- I flopped the screens around so that oh, I could okay. actually. Okay. It looks yeah, like I'm looking at you. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited that you guys are here. And everybody loves you, Sarah, because you're like one of the first faces we see every Sunday up on the screen doing the announcements and things. Yep. And um, our whole family knows who you are. So, uh, but I'm right, but still not sure about me. That's yeah, how that works. Yeah. Well, they know who you are. They're, I don't, there's something I want my kids. And this is something maybe a little later we could talk about a little bit more as, as part of the show. But I'd really like for I'd like for my kids to have more of a awareness of their of, of the ministry leaders at their church and like know them and that sort of thing. And, um, and it's sometimes hard in, in, uh, churches like the one we have where there are all these campuses and you might not even know who's going to be where and that sort of thing. And, right. and maybe that's something we could talk about, but what we're primarily talking about today is recently we did, uh, I've been calling it project consciousness, but that's not what it's called at our church. Uh, we've been doing what's called the Explorer edition one week out of every month. And this time the subject was on, we're going to talk a little bit more about what that is in just a few minutes, but simply put, it's something for primarily geared toward unbelievers and it has to do with apologetics. And so we've been working for months on consciousness as uh, a reason to believe in the soul and a reason to believe in God. And so we did that, uh, we did that just recently and uh, it was a blast and we had agreed ahead of time that we would go on both the One Life Network podcast and Trinity Radio Uh, to talk about questions that people had on our different platforms. So um, we're doing that today. Now, I guess we could just jump right into the questions. What do you guys think? Absolutely. That's great. And there were a lot of good questions uh, for our podcast and for this one as well. You need to go listen to that other podcast. It's linked in the description. I put the video that we're talking about here, the actual project, and the, um, the podcast where we answered questions from One Life because there were some incredible, like what happens to animals? And that sort of thing. So, like, do animals have souls? And what's that all about? And uh, you're not going to get that here. You got to go over there to get that. So go get it after you're done here, but not right <laughs> That's now. That's probably the burning question everybody has. So you got to go over there. We're not even going to get into it. That's right. Okay. So the first question, uh, and I, I want to pitch this to you guys, um, and you can take the lead on this because it's really a question about church. All right. um, so if you could only bring, so you say at the beginning of this. Uh, presentation before I come on the screen, you say, we believe you can bring your brain to church. You say that all the time. Right. And, and, and if you knew our church, it's, it's so true. Uh, but this questioner asks, if you could only bring your brain or heart to church, which one do you think most Christians would bring and why? <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you have a Well, I mean, I think, I think the easy answer is most people would say heart. I mean, I think that we think if we go to church, we go and we think about you know, loving people, loving God, you know, and so it is seems like 
when you think of brain and heart, they feel separate. But I think, you know, what we're trying to explain and, and just remind people is they don't need to be. Yeah, the, uh, the automatic is, I think it is heart. And it's because I think in terms, it, it, it is very relational. Most people are very relational. They do think of love God, love people. And then they're also very pragmatic, if we're being honest. I think most people are, are very tied to existential issues. You know, they, they are trying to work through, you know, how can I be joyful? How can I uh, raise my kids? They're, and those are what we would deem as heart questions, most of mm -hmm. us. And then also, and, and, and they're relational throughout the week, throughout their lives, with their family. And so, and, and what I love about the Christ Center worldview is that it's relational at its heart. You know, God is love and, and the command to love, love is the greatest thing. So heart's always associated with that. But also one of the main reasons I believe the Christ Center worldview is because it's, it mixes the two. Uh, you know, you, you don't have to do uh, heart at the expense of brain, which is what we're trying to overcome because I think it's, um, it, it captures both because if you're intensely pragmatic and intensely relational, Theoretically, you could chase after a lot of things that scratch that itch. I mean, it, it really could be that way. The brain part is which which one is true and which one is not mm. in terms of worldviews, mm. which I think is really important. So would you say, because I was going to ask you this, you kind of answered it. Would you say that, like, I can imagine someone saying, well, why, you know what, why do you guys just stop trying? Why don't you just be the heart people? We get that. <laughs> You're there when people are dying. You go to the hospital. Yeah. You, right. you make people feel good with a sermon every week. What, why, why don't you, which is not necessarily true, sometimes the sermons are, are pretty tough. Uh, and and step on your toes, right? Good. Um, yeah. wow. So I mean, when I preach, I step Maybe on my own toes sometimes. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> but uh, but so what, what would you say? Someone who says, oh, "Just quit all that." Why do you need to be the intellectual people? What's what's the big deal with that? But you kind of said, "Well, because we want to know what's true, because that's what's really going to be the solution for the heart issues." Yeah, because all worldviews are are, are 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 trying to say this is the truth about life in total. It's not. I don't like to categorize life those ways. I don't like to separate it out in those compartments because don't, we don't experience it that way because there are, there are a lot of people who try to undermine the Christian faith intellectually. Well, that pulls the rug out from all the things that the validity of the heart things you're doing. If mm -hmm. you go and comfort someone at their bedside saying, you know, they're about to die, oh, there's a heaven and you'll be resurrected. Well, if that's not really an actual fact, right. well, you're basically just lying to them. And yeah. so, you know, I, I don't, I want to, I want to be speaking things of comfort that I really think have a lot of evidence that they're true. Any thoughts on that? I mean, I was just thinking more of me understanding. Like, I mean, it, you can say these things to me and then understanding them, using my mind to understand them, even for me, makes them me believe them more and care for them more and use my heart more for um, kind of the mindset as well. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we talked about near-death experiences in the thing. And uh, there was a woman who came up, I think we mentioned this on your podcast too, who said, I just lost a friend or something. And it was really powerful to hear that. And it gives me peace. Well, it wouldn't give her peace if she didn't see that as an intellectual reason to believe this is true. Right. Exactly. You know, if, if she doesn't have any reason to believe it's true, well, why should I feel better about it? Right. right. And we all operate that way. Yeah, we right. like to think our beliefs about life are based upon evidential things. And so yeah. they're never really separated. They always overlap. But church has become a little bit more uh, toward the heart and it has that reputation. And a lot of people within the church embrace that more. But because especially the culture and generation we live in, the intellectual issues come up a lot. Mm -hmm. And so we just wanted to create an environment that uh, people know trying to handle both of those things because we know they struggle with both. Yeah. And I know we're getting stuck on this one point, but it is fascinating because our culture right now, the church wants to, um, I always think of it this way. I don't know if this is right. You're my pastor. You can tell me. All right. Yeah, um, but uh, I, I always think of it as like, we're not to be a uh, subculture, like, you know, some Amish or Mennonite people might be a subculture and okay. But most of us evangelical Christians, we don't think of ourselves as a subculture. We think of ourselves as a counterculture. We're in the culture. We're just not living like the culture. And, um, and if we're going to, if the church is meant to impact culture, I, I think about how like someone was recently asking, well, um, why was God so interested in the Old Testament with keeping the children of Israel from interacting with the pagan uh, religions and stuff around them, the people groups around them? That seems racist or whatever. And then why is it now that today we, we can intermingle with Muslims or Hindus or whatever? It's no problem. And I think it makes sense to think that, well, that was before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, where it's very likely that if you interact with other cultures, you're going to be taken in by them. And we saw that happen with Israel over and over again. 
Whereas today we have the Holy Spirit living within us as a reformer who will work in our lives to make us. And as a result of that, we, we can actually go be salt and light in the world and impact them with this message because we have God living in us in that way. And um, I think that's really powerful. And when it comes to church life, if you're going to impact the culture like that, um, that you're living in, in our culture right now in the modern West, it's very much about science, empiricism. If I can't touch it, sense it, or smell it, you know, taste it, your six senses or whatever, uh, then, then it's, uh, it's not real or I have no reason to believe it's real, you know? And so I think it's important for us to be the kind of church that says, I get that science is big right now and I get that evidence is important. We're the church that's going to talk about that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, it's a matter of any worldview is going to have that's really going to be true is going to be is going to integrate all those realities of life. We all deal with science in one form or the other. We all have realities that we face. And so you, if you compartmentalize too much, I think that's forfeiting part of reality. Quite yeah. frankly. I mean, that's kind of how I look yeah, at it. So. I think so. Uh, let's go on to the next one. The next question gets into the consciousness stuff a little more directly. So this person asks, when you start with the or says, when you start with the assumption of God, of course, you'll conclude God. Now, um, I'll, I'll take the lead on this one, I guess. Um, what this is, is this is either an argument, they're accusing me of either an argument from ignorance or circular reasoning. Circular reasoning, as you guys know, being like, um, well, how do you know God exists? Because the Bible says so. Well, how do you know the Bible's true? Because God says so. Well, where does he say that? In the Bible. You know, it's like circular. Right. It's, it's, it's tough. And, uh, and it could be that if I have my conclusion in a premise of the argument in the beginning or something, I'm... I'm I'm assuming it, but, but that's not really what we're doing. It's not that we're saying we don't know what the answer is. Therefore we can shove God in there. Like we didn't used to always know where lightning came from, kind of God of the gaps sort of thing. So it was Zeus or Thor or whatever, throwing lightning. And we didn't know. So we said it's a God. That's not what we're doing with this. We're actually looking at this and saying, okay, look, what do we know about consciousness? What do we know about the nature of reality? And when we put all that stuff together, what's the best explanation of the available explanations? And the argument that I give is that God is the best explanation and the soul is the best explanation. So the simple answer to that question is it's not that we're saying, I don't know, therefore God. It's that we're saying the facts that we do have, the positive things that we do have, seem to indicate God to many of us. Anything you guys want to say on that? Yeah, I... Uh... And sometimes I like to do the mental exercise of not beginning with assuming God. Uh, I'll, I'll begin from the other way around. That's always helped me, honestly, in my faith, because I'll sometimes re remove God in my mind. Okay, well, let me, I don't want to have that assumption. Then I kind of try to follow an argument through. And it, and it does, I really do struggle where uh, starting with material things that have no guidance from intelligence whatsoever adding up to the things that we're talking about. And I end up choking on that bone. Mm. But I don't start trying to prove God. It's more like, how far can I get this thing to work? And I know an mm -hmm. atheist would, would say, well, I can make it work a lot further, but I really, but I do, I, I don't know if you do that game in your own head. Yeah, I did. I, you ever play that game in your head, sir? I don't think so. <laughs> I'll play other games. She's like, I sometimes. think yeah, like a Christian. A video gamer. There's a lot more fun games out there than doing that. I mean, if I add anything to it, it's more of, I, I like to have conversations like that because I want to understand people. Like it's, it helps, right. helps me understand why I believe what I believe to understand why other people believe what they believe. Mm. I think that's one thing that we, we try to do even in our church. We say we bring, you can bring your brain to church. It's not that, you know, we're trying to say, um, you know, that people don't normally, but there's an opportunity for you to ask the question or to use information that maybe you wouldn't normally. So for me, it's like, I want you to come in and maybe challenge that so I can understand why you believe that. So I can understand why I believe what I believe. That's true. Because you're a very compassionate person we all we all know that about her and you know i i i typically think of how my audience will hear this and my audience is a lot of atheists there's a lot of atheists in the audience and so as a result of that i think how are they going to hear what i'm saying right now um and so i think i do kind of think that way but you know with some of these things what we're seeing with the online internet atheist community and this doesn't mean this is true about your average atheist in your community but these these uh popularizers online and things that we respond to um <clears throat> is this they'll follow the, they follow the evidence or they'll see, they'll go with you on the evidence. And at some point they may say, now beyond this, I don't know. And you're saying Christian apologist that you do know, I'm saying, I don't know. That's fair. If what I'm saying beyond that, like with the, like with the Kalam, for example, the Kalam cosmological argument for God's existence, uh, it, it, it cashes out once you do a conceptual analysis to something like the beginning of the universe, therefore, is a spaceless, timeless, non-material, incredibly powerful, exceedingly wise mind. Okay, 
Well, they might say, well, I'll go with you that uh, the universe had to have a cause and that it can't and that the cause can't be in time or space or made of matter. But beyond that, I'm not going to say it's God. I'm not going to say it's, you know, and the thing is, it reminds me of the taxi cab analogy. I don't know if you're familiar with that. The taxi cab analogy uh, is where you say something like, well, the argument is like a taxi cab and you don't just get to get out wherever you want. This thing's going to its destination and you can't just use, well, I don't know about that as a cop out. And sometimes that gets done. I don't know how I started talking about that, but I did. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know there was a taxi cab argument. Yeah, now I do. So yeah, I, that's I, right. I so the, the win all around. I have a question, though. Yeah. So yeah. even when you say, so if someone asks a question, when you start with the idea of God, of course, you're going to conclude God. Do most, I mean, most people would not, I mean, history would say everyone started thinking about God. And at some point we hmm. concluded not. I mean, so atheists would start from there, right? Yeah. What they, what they would mean there more would be, when you're giving an argument, when okay. you're presenting an argument, we need to see that you're not presuming the conclusion, uh, presuming that God exists in order to then argue that God exists. Um, instead, it, even whatever is true about your life, even if you're a Christian now and you definitely start with you already believe in God, when you're giving the argument, you want to think it through and, and, and not presume that in your premises of your argument so that so that you're not. So like even though you believe that the Bible is true and that God exists, you wouldn't give the argument that I kind of jokingly gave at the beginning to point out circular logic where I say, why is the Bible true? Because God says so. Where does God say so in the Bible? There's a problem sure. with that, okay. even though we, of course, start with God, right? So hopefully that will clarify. That's, that's a great question. Anything else on any of that before we move on? I don't think so. Not to make it too formal. Uh, Jonathan, usually I'm cr clamoring for a moment to get a breath in. Uh, so, all right, uh, here we go. So how did God get conscious? How did God? Man, you, you sound like you're in deep trouble on that one. That could. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to your answer. Yeah. Okay. Well, the thing about it is, um, is uh, I don't know if many of you read. Uh, did you read Signature in the Cell by? Um, yes. Stephen Meyer. Yeah. Stephen Meyer starts off that book by talking about the fact that there are basically two views of reality at base: idealism, and um, and uh, materialism. And materialism says that matter came first and then produced minds. And idealism, not the kind of idealism that says everything is the mind of God, although I do think we talked about that on the other podcast, so go check that out. Uh, but but the, the, the idealism says mind is fundamental and material came from mind. That's the position that Christians would take. All Christians, even physicalist Christians who don't believe in the soul, they still believe that God existed sans the physical universe. So in that sense, I would say, uh, consciousness would explain this because consciousness could give us consciousness. Consciousness could give us the universe. Um, and matter doesn't seem to be able to make consciousness, so it's got to be the other way around. What do you think about that? Yeah. <laughs> what I, I agree. think. You agree wholeheartedly? Is that <laughs> no, and, and, I, and I have to correct myself because I, I read part of Signature in the Cell. I was thinking of uh, Darwin's Doubt was the one I read. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But that but that thought is found in John chapter one and it opens in the beginning was the Logos and the Logos was the word. And it always, I always liked that question because it boils it all down. Uh, what came first? Was it mind or was mm -hmm. it matter? And that really, I remember saying that to a, a woman I was talking to who was, was an atheist, but I asked her in those forms and, and she said, wow, I never really, really thought of it that way before. Did matter produce mind or did mind produce matter? And when you, mm -hmm. when you, and that going back to that game, I like to play in my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it is good to look at it that way because it is very hard to envision unguided material substantive producing mind and what we know of as mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. But our experience, since we have minds, we can relate to the idea that a mind could create things and order things and, and produce matter. And sure. So, uh, so that, it's a simple thing, but it's also the, the uh, you know, en enough, there's enough power there to really kind of clarify things up. I, th I think so. Let's go back to the Kalam for just yeah. a minute before we move on. And, and I could say I this. I was hoping you go back. To the yeah. Every, really. yeah. And let's just say that with, with the Kalam cosmological argument, we would say, okay, a spaceless, timeless, non-material, sufficiently powerful. No one should disagree so far. Spaceless, timeless. I mean, people that believe in eternal universe, but I'm saying atheists that think the universe began to exist. Uh, shouldn't have a problem with this. Spaceless, timeless, non-material, sufficiently powerful. The cause has to be sufficiently powerful to begin the universe or else it can't begin the universe. So sufficiently powerful. And then here, here's this issue. Whatever the cause is, if it's spaceless, timeless, and not material, 
then uh, matter didn't proceed. It has to be mind. But there's another reason. In a spaceless, timeless state, and I did say this on the other podcast, in a spaceless, timeless state, there's no passing moments. There's no matter. There's nothing random happening, and there's no deterministic chain of dominoes type thing happening either because there's no time for anything to happen. In such a state, if you don't have randomness and you don't have determinism, the only thing left is a free will choice. And so I think that establishes for us that the cause of the physical universe is a conscious mind. And that's how everybody, that's how this argument has been used for a long, long time. So that's one issue. I think our arguments, even some of the obvious theistic arguments that get you to, because all the theistic arguments are going to get you to a God that has a mind, right? That's kind of the point. Right. If God doesn't have a mind, we kind of have a problem. All right. So all the theistic arguments are going to get you that. That establishes the consciousness. That may not be what the person was asking, though. The person may be asking, well, how did he get it? And again, we would go back to saying in a timeless state, there is no getting it because that's like saying, when did he become conscious? And there is no when in a timeless state. So I actually think after you spoke, I maybe made a little more sense with that. So uh, it helps to have your pastor in the, Good job, Brett. In the office. Hey, what, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that so, seemed like the money right there. Yeah, I think, I think, that's, like I think that's the way to go there. Um, okay, let's see what's next. Uh, so there was a gentleman in Australia who's working on a master's in philosophy who, uh, James Fodor, who he and I have interacted back and forth uh, before, and he did a response video to this. And I may make a response video to that video and talk about a lot of the things that he said. But one thing that he brought out was uh, he wanted to know why when I was talking about artificial intelligences, computer robots and things like that, um, that don't, you know, I say they don't have consciousness. And he says, hold on. He says, I, I think he says, I agree with you that they're probably not conscious, but um, there's a, uh, there's been a, a, a study done that shows that philosophers and graduate students, um, 3% of them think maybe that AI is conscious. Now, he had said earlier in the presentation, I know you can't cover everything in a, in a like 30 minute Sunday morning message. And then he did complain that I didn't mention what 3% of philosophers think about this. However, that's okay. James, if you're watching, if I had thought about it, I would have included 3% because that makes the case even more strong. Um, so I didn't include it because I didn't, I didn't think to include it. I'm aware of the study because I think it's the same one. I could be wrong. I think it's the one that did like 5,500 philosophers and graduate students had the free will and on a number of issues on this one. Um, I would have included it because I, I think that would have been good. Why didn't I include it? Well, I wasn't trying to hide anything. 3% would have, would have worked out really well for this project. You guys have anything to say about any of that? Well, you, you would have had to get through your, uh, uh through your editors too. I mean, in, in this thing, this was a church that we did build something that he had a lot more material in there, but we were trying to get it down to the, the time and all that sort of stuff. So it may have fallen on the editing room floor. I'm so glad that. you mentioned yeah. that, Brett, because yeah. yes, what people yeah. don't know is this was actually a rare experience for me. Yeah. You do this all the time, right? You go in on a Thursday, you preach your message, you, you know, you have a process and, yeah. and, and there's, you know, people can give insights about that. What do they think? What um, I'm not used to that. And so I've done it once before with you guys. I've done it once with another church and I did it here. And you do, it makes it more concise. But for anyone who's ever written a paper and tried to keep it under a certain word count, that's hard, man. <laughs> and so there was a lot of stuff cut out. Yeah, so. Sarah's been one of those for six years. Yeah. Evaluated all kinds of my messages. And, uh, give a lot um, of feedback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but right. I, as a communicator, I mean, you, what you just said, like you could have made the argument and said, well, 97 percent agree. Right, yeah, like, I mean, right. that sounds pretty high to me. If you would it say sounds that great. Way, so. yeah. yeah, that's right. 97 percent. Well, as a PR person, yeah. that's exactly right. That sounds pretty good. Also, you'll remember that I said in the presentation that panpsychism is is being talked about more now. It's, it's getting right. a little more popular. So panpsychists think everything is conscious to some degree or other. So when it comes to the 3% of philosophers and graduate students who think AI is conscious, if there are 3% of panpsychists in there, if 3% of those philosophers are panpsychists, yeah, no duh, right? Of course right, they're exactly. going to think that. Yeah, right? yeah. So anyway, Good point. all right. Uh, yeah. So uh, again, I'm not, for those that are watching too, I told this then before we started, I think I, 
I'm just so used to Pritchett being here and jumping in and yammering on. That is, uh, so yeah, maybe if we were here more often, and felt more comfortable with it. It's kind of like being in your own house. Or something. We ought to, we ought to do that. But here's one that'll be good for this, all right, for that very point of bring you guys into it more. Why didn't this seem like a regular sermon or regular church service? We could say. Yeah, and I, I mean, any church is going to have similar kind of look and feel to maybe a Sunday where you're singing songs. Um, those songs usually are talking about Jesus at some point. Uh, we didn't do that. We had an Aerosmith song. So that was a little <laughs> different. Um, but then just in general, just the conversation is set up, the whole day set up a little bit differently. Yeah, the intention was to, uh, is, is we call it our, our, our Explorer edition because our, Explorers is our name for people who are unbelievers, but also are open to, you know, hey, I would, I would like to hear more. I would like to hear evidence. I would like to think through th uh, these things through. That's why we have questions and we try to answer them somewhere. We want to create an environment uh, where people can do that. And so we have, we've done this in different ways, but now we've decided once a month that we're just going to do the Explorer edition of our church. And we encourage people to invite people or we get word out. And, and so it wasn't designed specifically to be like a normal sermon because it wasn't that that's not the audience we were really trying to communicate mm -hmm. with we mm -hmm. the way we set these up is we say imagine there's no believers in the room at all and you're really just talking to at least open-minded unbelieving people who are there to explore and they want to ask questions they want to interact with the material so that was uh and as we've designed it and we we talked about the evaluations and all that and you presented your material uh one of the things we try to do is okay what would a what would an explorer think of this and what, how would they respond to it more so than me? And the main reason we do that is because that's my background. I mean, I, I haven't always been a believer and I, and, and I hung out with a lot of people that weren't believers at all. And I wanted, always wanted to have an environment where now that I found life in Christ and found these things intellectually gratifying and all that, I, I want a place where people can come and sit and, uh, you know, relaxed and, and can ask and, and also get into interesting topics. I, 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 I liked this one because it wasn't predictable. Uh, it wasn't, you know, we're going to defend the Bible. We'll probably do that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. when you said you had done study about consciousness, I thought, wow. I know as an unbelieving person, I would have been intrigued by it. You know, I, I think sure. it's a fascinating topic. The AI subject, you know, life after death stuff, all those things are fascinating. And if they can hear it from somebody who's thinking about it from a Christ-centered worldview, well, that's a... That's a win. All yeah. But that was very much by design, and that's what they're going to be going forward. Yeah, so this was another thing that uh, James Fodor, who reviewed the video, brought out. He says, this doesn't even feel like, is this supposed to be like a church service? Well, first of all, uh, depending on what kind of church background people have, one life on a, any given Sunday uh, might not seem like your typical church uh, because it is, it is more modern and things like that, and Brett doesn't preach the way that some preachers preach. He preaches in a very approachable way. Um, a lot of humor, things like that, but a lot of study. And uh, it just may not look like what a lot of people are familiar with. This particular service, though, is that kind of church trying more, not not to be a church, but to be a place for unbelievers, as Brett just said. And uh, so the, the whole point of it being looking different, feeling different, and those kind of things was to, and on any given Sunday, you'll have unbelievers at One Life, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you ever heard the phrase that you know, dress don't dress for the job you have, dress for the job you want? Well, if we want to be a church where uh, where where the people that come to this church feel comfortable inviting friends and think it might benefit their life, well, then let's go ahead and start having services like that to show our people that they can do that and feel good about it. And by the way, well, that's another question. I'll, I'll wait. Oh no, you had me on the edge of my seat. I'm I was, so I was, <laughs> well, but but that is the point, and we and we did a little video piece that we kind of do as stock footage. We've done two of these. We plan on doing them more in the future. We made a piece that explains it. Like every week, we do what most churches do. We do it in a different way, maybe. But churches all over the world have basic elements, like you know, they sing worship songs, and they have prayers, they have teaching from the Bible, and they uh, they commune with one another, and all those sorts of things. But we said we're intentionally not doing that today because we don't want to alienate the person who comes in who's standing on the outside looking in because I often think, okay, if I had an unbeliever next to me during the worship set, when we're singing for 22 minutes or whatever, however long we do it, and people are raising their hands and doing all the things that Christians do, 
if I was an unbeliever, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I'd be sitting there with my hands right. in my pockets, just kind of yeah. looking around. And so we just say, okay, we're not going to do any of that stuff. And that's why we had the Aerosmith song. We had, this is music maybe you can relate to and, and kind of put you in touch with. So you, it's a place for you. So you can yeah, get yeah. into the conversation without all the unnecessary uh, blockades that can get in your way with normal church culture. Because uh, I was with uh, a person who had never been to a church in their life the very first time they ever came to a church. And we were both 18, 19 years old, right around there. Wow. And I saw it through his eyes. And it was, you know, kind of looking around like, why? Are they? And he was asking me a question. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? What that mean? What's this mean? Because we have all this internal lingo. So it's that day we were to say, okay, we're going to get rid of all the internal lingo kind of stuff. And we're going to do something for you because we really believe this message. But we want to take away all the barriers, uh, yeah. as many barriers as possible uh, to just so you can really interact with the staff. And that's yeah. why you know, practice did a great job with that well. in speaking language that everybody could understand and, and get into. We well, even, uh, we even, I mean, just at the day of, we took the table away. Like something small as that is that it can mm. feel like a, you know, something that feels like a church, someone teaching or preaching at you and said, we took that away from you, which I know like you did great with that, but it felt more like a conversation, even just walking mm. across the space. Like yeah. those are small things, but we're trying to think of those things intentionally. It's true. Because uh, I think someone said on the comments, like, why'd you do a Ted talk? Because it's, <laughs> and I was like, Hey, that's, that's exactly right. Thank that's you. what yeah. it was designed to do. Yeah. It was a compliment. And yeah. it was her idea to go without the table. She tried to get me to go out without the table last time. Yeah. And uh -huh. you mentioning the lingo and stuff. That's around. one thing that one life is good at all the time. Not just this one Sunday is, uh, you know, you don't use that churchy language. And when you ever do use a phrase, maybe because it just hits the nail on the head, you would explain it first. I mean, because to an unbeliever, it's true that like to take a bath in the blood of Jesus sounds horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just stuff we take for granted yes. because it, it is an internal culture. Well, it's not necessarily for someone that's walking out the streets. It's, yeah. a, it's a move of compassion, quite honestly, is the way I look at it. Yeah. You know, having, yeah. Having sympathy for people that have no idea what you're even talking about. And it is true that they're like, I remember years ago reading Sally Morgenthaler's worship evangelism. And, and she was talking about how boomers were coming back to church and that they actually liked many of them, the trappings that they remembered from their youth of, you know, the sanctuary with the stained glass and all that. And you know what? Um, there are churches out there for people just like that. I'm glad that I, and I know you'll take this the right way. I'm glad that one life is not the only congregation in Evansville. There are churches for all kinds of people out there. Uh, but there are people that will benefit from what they've just laid out and uh, the kind of church that we have. And I think, uh, and I'm glad for that. I'm really glad for that. Proud to be a part of it. All right, let's get into this next question. I've lost it here. Let's see. Uh, what have atheists and agnostics been saying? Now, I didn't put asterisks next to this because, so I've seen, so you always get the YouTube comments on my videos that, You'll get a mix. You'll get a mix of good atheist comments, like actually asking you questions. And then you'll get the, well, this is rubbish like it always is. And, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and to be fair, there are Christians that do that to atheist channels, right? So, uh, but, uh, but there's a couple of things that, that stood out to me. One was positive and one was not positive. The not positive one was the one I've mentioned a couple of times here, which is a review from uh, James Fodor, who runs a YouTube channel out there. Um, and I, I actually listening to his presentation or his response to my presentation gave me more confidence in the presentation because primarily what he did, although there were things that he, that he was very strong about that we would expect he's an atheist about. And so there's right. certain things he doesn't accept, but there were there, it was a lot of just adding caveats to what I was saying, you know? Right. And so it actually gave me more confidence <laughs> after I, after I heard that in the, in the thing. But, um, I also, um, the, the good response that I got was a guy and I don't know if I should name him or not, so I won't. Um, but there was a guy who goes to one life. Uh, we were talking about this, I think yesterday, Brett, and he, uh, I met him actually that day, the day of the consciousness thing. I think I've met him before, but I met him that day officially. And he was on the elevator right here in our building, uh, a couple days ago. Right. And he said, Braxton, he said, I met you at one life. And, uh, he said, I gotta tell you, um, I really enjoyed the, the presentation and I'm just about to listen to the podcast you did, you know, with you guys, the other podcast. Yeah. And he's, he found it really interesting, really seemed to enjoy it. And I think he's either an atheist or agnostic. I, I don't know. Yeah. He'd probably so, label himself agnostic. Yeah. Know, yeah. So positive from your everyday community atheist, 
And we did get a negative response from an atheist YouTuber who is a master, who's working on a master's in philosophy. All right. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what I thought. I don't know if you guys have heard anything from atheists or unbelievers. I haven't seen anything this. in the comments from that. Most of the comments we had were questions for like Q&A. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, but I, I saw that people engaged the subject. Then again, that's why I liked it because it wasn't um, a cliche to topic. And, mm -hmm. and, and probably, probably a lot of people, whether they're unbelievers or believers, had not really thought about it before, if mm -hmm. we're being honest. I mean, when have I ever really thought about my own thinking and then related it to the larger questions? Well, that's why it was fun. So I think probably a lot of people walked away going, whether they were believers or unbelievers, going, well, I don't know. I, I never really thought about it that way. So yeah. uh, so I think that that's the kind of responses I've seen. People were intrigued and people were fascinated and walked away just thinking about it. It's a lot of, even though I, I try to present it and we crafted it together such yeah. that it would be um, as um, easy to pick up as it could be. Um, it was it was a lot of philosophical concepts. Like we're talking about free will, love, um, artificial intelligences, consciousness, near-death experiences. Those are a lot of different things. And by the way, I think every one of those things, you know, by themselves can be used as a part of a good argument for God. But that's all of them. That's a bunch of things together yeah. that someone's got to go research on their own, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, all right. So let's, let's move on with it there. Um, so we said, uh, let's see. All right. If the brain can affect consciousness such that one has some sort of disorder, why does that go away when the soul is out of the body? Why is the body important? That was my favorite question. I, it's a really good question. Time. So the question is basically like, okay, look, You've got people that supposedly during these near-death experiences don't have the maladies that they seem to have when they're in their body. And we talked about in the presentation that um, people, uh, that, that when our, our brains are damaged in some way, it affects consciousness. And that's true. But when we're free of our bodies, it seems like, hey, no more problems. So then the next question that automatically arises is, well, then why the bodies? If God did all this, why would he create uh, us for physical bodies. So now this is a little bit of a theological question. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, do you want to take it first or do you want me to take it? <laughs> I, I don't really, mind because I've got I, an I answer. I have thoughts on it, but I, I'd rather hear you okay, first. Let's, uh, okay. So, so here's my answer. Um, <laughs> so my answer is that, so God's design, God's intention for mankind and for our cosmos, I think, the prototype for it is the Garden of Eden, I think. Uh, you see there right. the creation of man and woman, they have physical bodies. I believe they are soulish creatures. They have a soul. They, um, it's it's a man and a woman there together for re, you know they can reproduce. They can all all this stuff. The world is not fallen. It's just whatever you think about that story. Like whether you whatever you think about it, I think that idea that concept is is the um, prototype. And it's interesting because you see the tree of life. Everyone focuses on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life is there. It's also there in Revelation at the end. In the last chapter of Revelation, on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. So it seems like what you know, we have this picture of, here's how it started. That's the way we wanted it. Here's where it all went wrong, but we're going to redeem it and get it back to the, to the Eden that it was. Right. So the idea is God wants physical bodies, and if, and if we believe there are souls, then physical bodies with souls. And that, that is, that's a human being. That's what God really wants as the whole package. Now, why? Why would God want that? Um, some people have said things like, well, I thought that heaven was the end. Well, the, the resurrection of the physical earth is ultimately going to be our home. We'll be physical, raised bodies. On We could be sitting right here 10,000 years from now talking about, you remember that time when you had that conversation about consciousness there? You know? Uh, it's going to be in a resurrected earth and we'll have resurrected physical bodies. The uh, intermediate state that if um, Sarah shoots uh, Pastor Brett in the head right now, the intermediate, and we'll have, I mean, that'll be an interesting, interesting conversation. Out, grab that one. This is analogy. <laughs> We're like, wow. That's not your favorite analogy. Yeah, that's right? Right. But if he dies, what happens to Brett? Well, we put his physical body out here in a grave somewhere or we cremate him or whatever. Not going to stay in my office, I guess. And then uh, where does he go? Where is Brett's experience taking place? Well, most Christians throughout church history have thought there's an intermediate state. If, if Brett dies right now, he's in this place, heaven, we call heaven. You know, we would think of as heaven. N.T. Wright says, heaven's great, but it's not the end of the world. Hmm. <laughs> he literally means it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Even though Christians aren't used to thinking about things this way, we think about 
you know, whatever the ultimate after it's all done and we're forever with God, you know, we think about that being heaven. And I think that's fine to talk about it that way. But we need to be clear that the ultimate goal is we'll be we'll have raised physical bodies. Why is that an important thing? Well, there are goods, I think, about having a physical body and a soul that you can't get with just a soul. I don't know what all of the capabilities of the soul are. Um, I think we have good reason to believe that you kind of have some sensory experience and things like that. You can see what's around you. William Lane Craig says, maybe it's kind of like, and I, I laughed at this out loud because I thought it was so like, it's just him speculating, right? He's like, maybe God just does that for you. He just gives you like a, uh, almost like a virtual reality experience of a physical world, even though you're just a soul. I don't buy that. I just think whatever this intermediate state is, it's a mode of existence without a physical body. But um, physical bodies give us benefits in that. Well, for one thing, um, you can you can uh, sexual union is a possibility and reproduction. That is a good. In fact, it's the first thing that God tells man to do, right? right? And so that's an example of something that it seems you need a physical body to do that sort of thing. Um, you can experience pain, and pain is not necessarily a bad thing. Pain can, is a good thing. It can it can actually. I mean, we have pain for a reason. It keeps us from keeping our hand on that stove or whatever. When children are born with that weird disorder where they don't have physical pain or they don't sense pain, sometimes they'll just they'll just dig at scratches and cuts and open them up and yeah. dig in their eyes and things like that. So th there seems to be some good to having physical bodies that you couldn't just get with just souls. And if we didn't even have any of that, it just seems that that's the way God wants it. God want, God likes physical stuff. You know, we're not Gnostics here. Gnostics thought physical stuff bad, spiritual stuff good. So Jesus didn't have a physical body, even though it seems like he did. Come on, God made the physical world. He likes physical stuff. He likes to create and design. And I thought about this. Uh, we recently, Sarah, uh, Saturday, me and Andy, you guys know Andy. Yeah. Me and Andy both bought Oculus Quest 2s. That's exciting. Have you that got one? very exciting. I have no idea. What it it's a virtual it's reality. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's virtual reality. And so... You put it on and I'm in this amazing world and it's so much better than I expected it to be. Yeah. It's just amazing. And, but, the, but you, where you start out, you're just in this, this room. Now you're in an amazing room. Maybe I'm on the porch of a ski resort or something, you know what? But that's like your, your hub. That's where you start out each time and you, you decide what you're going to do. It's like, it's like your desktop on your computer, right? Well, I don't want to just stay on my desktop. I want to go do stuff. So I got to get programs and apps and things like that. And in the virtual reality, if I want to play ping pong with Andy, I've got to have the right apparatus for playing ping pong, which means I got to go buy an app that gives me these capabilities in this VR. Saying, why can't we just be the soul all the time? Sounds to me like saying, why can't I just sit in the homeroom where there's nothing to do all the time? It's not that there's nothing to do if you're a soul, but there's all these opportunities with the physical in the physical world that you would miss. So you kind of need to have that app too and go do stuff in the physical world. And I thought that opens up. Uh, I don't have a ping pong paddle attached to my hand all the time, but if I get the right stuff, I have one now. And in a similar way, I think there are benefits to having a physical body. I think there's all kinds of benefits for that. And we've pointed out a couple of them here. So that, that would be my answer. What, what do you think? Yeah, I took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts? Nope. <laughs> yeah. But you like, what was it called again? The, uh, thing the Oculus. The Oculus. And it's Oculus. a virtual reality thing? Yeah. yeah. Deal. And amazing. Mark okay. Zuckerberg has done this for you. Mark Zuckerberg owns that and he has, they have made it $300. So, um, it, Oh really? Wow. Okay. You, you ought to get one. Hey, it doesn't is coming up. I yeah. No computer. It doesn't require a computer. You just do it on your phone. No Why are we talking yeah. about this? Teach, teach a message <laughs> that way. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can record yeah. a service in yeah. VR. And fill oh, I've got a ideas people for the that only agree with me and like all my stuff. No, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know that I would say anything different than you would say. Mm -hmm. I, I, but one of the things that I've always loved about uh, since I really started to appreciate it was the honoring of the physical in the Bible. It, it, a lot of people probably have the perception that it's the opposite because we talk about the soul and we talk about heaven and all that. That's actually Gnosticism. That's even other religions that when they talk about the spiritual, that like that's the superior thing, and actually. God's world created its tactile, uh, concrete, physical stuff is very honored. It's called very good in the Bible. You know, we live in a fallen, we live in a world that started great 
and it's fallen, it's twisted, but all the good things are there. They're just blurry now. They're, they're distorted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what is trying to be restored. So when I really appreciate, you know, when Jesus comes back from the dead, he sa- says to his disciples, look, I'm not a ghost. I, I, I've got flesh, I've got bones, <laughs> yeah. just like, and that's really, really, really significant. But it's saying, cause the ultimate destination is to have that, uh, in a more fulfilled way. And I think that's fascinating. I think it honors the world that God created now in that, Everything from playing ping pong to uh, being able to run down the street or, or, or have a physical existence is the intended thing for human beings. And it made me wonder, how much are you limited? If I went to my intermediate state after Sarah shot me, uh, would I be limited? How would I be limited? I mean, and, and it, you get the sense that all cre- it says all creation groans waiting for redemption. Are you kind of groaning in the intermediate state kind of? longing for to get out of the limits i think the, i think the experience is pure joy and worship and that's what we'd all want here in our physical bodies but you're still longing it's still this incomplete thing incomplete complete yeah is heaven will be more real and more physical for us once the final day comes than we experience right now and mm. and, and when i started thinking that way about heaven as a as opposed to this wispy sort of spiritualized existence that's really exciting and a lot more realistic too. I mean, it's, yeah. and it makes you look forward to there'll, there'll be instruments. We can play music or basketball or, or mm-hmm. any number of things like that, just on this greater, greater level where mm-hmm. those two things are joined, the soul thing, the joy and the worship and all that and our physical redeemed creation. Uh, yeah. I think it's a beautiful vision, but I also think it, it, it corresponds to reality as we experience it. Yeah. And, and so that's, you know, that, and that was well put and that's one side of it. That's like the, what limitations we'll have, but the question is right. So there was a study done and this shows up in all the books on near death experiences. Th- there was a study done on congenitally blind patients, blind from birth, couldn't see. Yet during their near-death experiences, they had visual representations as they were out of their body. And they came back and they described things. They, they had no idea, and they were able to describe things. And, um, and so it, it seems like there, if that, if, you know, if that's, I mean, it was, there was a study done on it. Of course, I'm not saying they established the afterlife. But I'm just saying, if that suggests that we survive physical death or we leave our bodies and then... Um, people who are blind from birth are able to see that serves as evidence. I think for the claim that I made in the presentation that the physical brain does your consciousness is affected when you affect the brain. Uh, but if you have a damaged brain, it doesn't damage the signal of the radio, right? It doesn't damage the song, the music of your soul, we could say. And so th- there are, because we're in a fallen world with, with problems, I think if you suddenly were out of your body, I mean, these near, these people that come back from your death experiences, they always say, I didn't want to be back in my body. I felt suddenly weighted down again. I felt, mm-hmm. you know, so obviously there are going to be some immediate like, oh, I'm free. I don't feel yeah. sick. I can see. But yeah, I think there's going to be limitations, right? Because yeah. otherwise, I, you know, I, I just think you're right that our physical bodies are incredibly important and um, and provide a lot of opportunities. That Randy Alcorn's book on heaven I don't know if you ever read that. Oh, no, I haven't. Uh, it's a lot of it's speculation, as most books on sure. heaven have to be. Yeah. But, you know, he said, I wonder if, you know, like when God resurrects the earth and we have our physical bodies in the new heaven and the new earth, is it going to be the case that um, maybe he'll keep some of the expressions of artistic creation that we've made during uh, human history? You know, like, will the Eiffel Tower still stand? I, I think these are interesting ideas, and it makes it more gritty and realistic, I think. Yeah, it, uh, and that and that's I guess that's the bottom line for me that mm-hmm. it, uh, when you really look at it that way, and especially as a pastor, and I've spent a lot of times in, in funeral homes and, and standing at gravesides and doing things like that, that that promise of the redemption of the body uh, just has a certain reality to it that is uh, really hopeful, and that's that it gets overlooked, I think, even by Christians uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to getting in the Bible and seeing what's really the goal uh, is to be like Jesus was and have this resurrected body but also had capabilities beyond what our bodies do as well. Yeah. As you could just appear and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah. All right. So uh, this one is why is consciousness necessary for free will? And I have to say this, I, I understand that free will is a complex subject. It's been one of my, you know, my personal favorite areas of study for several years. And I brought an argument from free will in my debate with Matt Dillahunty and I debated Dan Barker on free will. And I've, 
I've studied this a, a lot, and maybe as much as anything aside from the Bible and theology that I've studied. And um, as I've studied free will, it is complex, but I, here's the question that I don't think, uh, this is another one of Fodor's questions, James Fodor, is he said, it's not clear to me why you have to have free will in order, or why you have to be conscious to have free will. And it really surprised me to hear him say that because there are basically, un unless one is an incompatibilist determinist, these are big words, but what, what, what that means is one is a determinist. They don't believe in free will as class, as defined by libertarians, that wh whatever you ended up doing, you could have done otherwise. Um, they believe that it's all like a chain of dominoes and you feel like you're making free choices, but you're not. It's just all chain of dominoes in your genetics or whatever else. Okay, well, if you're if you're that, you could still be a compatibilist. An incompatibilist says no determinism is not compatible with any understanding of free will. But a compatibilist determinist says no, I'm a determinist, but I still think it's reasonable to talk about you freely choosing because, and this is what Christian Calvinists often hold, is that you, I mean, you're you do whatever you want, and what more do you want than the freedom to do what you want? It's just that your wants were determined by something out of your control and it goes on and chain back to God. But on either view, the compatibilist view where, yeah, determinism is true, but we can meaningfully talk about you making choices in real time or libertarian freedom, which says whatever you ended up doing, you could have done otherwise than that. Either one of those require consciousness because for any to have choices that that are free in any sense means you have to hierarchically think about your thoughts and decide is this something I want to choose to do? Of course it requires consciousness on any understanding of free will. You have to be consciously aware to make conscious choices. And so I found that one really surprising, but I thought I could clarify that a little bit because there may be people out there saying, well, I'm, you know, I'm a Calvinist or I'm an atheist determinist and I don't believe in free will like you believe in it. I don't think you have to, to, to make this point, whether it's compatibilism or libertarian freedom. Either one requires consciousness if we're going to talk about you freely choosing in any sense of freely choosing. Or yeah, it's choosing. Almost, yeah, it's almost like you'd have to, that mo making choices is a part of consciousness. It's part of almost the definition. I, I guess that's what I hear you saying. It's yeah, like, yeah. You have to include it in the definition so right. they can't be separated, I guess. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I... I mean, if you had a robot in this room right amen. now, <laughs> if you had a small toy robot, like something that might sell at Walmart or something right. in here that could move freely around the room, right? We know it's following programming. We know it's doing its thing and all that. Um, but uh, if we talk about, oh, it decided to go that way instead of that way. Well, we know we're being facetious. Like it didn't decide anything, right? right. It's just yeah. doing what it's doing, right? Because right? it's not conscious, but it, but but conscious people can decide, right. you know? So and where that's coming from is that's the debate, but the yeah, fact yeah. of it, the experience of it is a part of the system that you're even talking about. So yeah, yeah. That's right. a meaningful point to say yeah. whether you're a determinist or not, will will change the game in terms of what exactly is free will right. or, that you're describing and how did you, and how is it uh, situated in reality? But, but in either case, you'd still need yeah. consciousness, yeah. I think. So yeah. Thought, thought I'd answer that. All right. Um, here's one for you guys. Uh, well, no, there's one more that we need to talk about. And then this next <laughs> one is going to be big. This will be the last one. Uh -oh. This is the second to last one. Why did you tack on the case for the resurrection at the end? Now, that is a question that you guys... Actually, by the way, I phrased that question. Someone asked it nicer than that, but I was just writing them down quickly. Sure. So they, no one said to me, oh, you just tacked it on at the end. Um, but oh, okay. the, that was your but, but there were questions about, um, there were questions about, you've been talking about consciousness all this time. Why this apologetic for the resurrection? And the reason for that is, and we did have conversations about this. Like, do I have time to fit this? How quickly can I, you know, if I do it quickly, does it cheapen it? You know, those kind of things. But we are Christians. And even though this, most of this presentation was not specifically about Jesus or about, uh, Christianity, the end game was, and the end game is God is the best explanation for consciousness. But I don't want to just give you God. We're a Christian church. And so we want to, we want to introduce you to our King and our King is Jesus. And here's what happened to him. And, uh, those minimal facts that I gave were not disputed. 
by the guy that was reviewing my video. You just want to know why would I make that case there? But, but yeah, these are facts that are granted by, uh, universally by, uh, his, his, teaching historians in the Western world at accredited schools. And that is Jesus thought of himself as God's agent to bring about the kingdom. Jesus died by Roman crucifixion under Pontius Pilate. His earliest followers had experiences that they interpreted as appearances of the risen Christ. And they were so committed to these facts about the resurrection that they were willing to die for it. And many of them did die. So uh, that's all you have to say. But I'm not got, I'm, I've got enough of a loudmouth, leather lung, red faced Southern Baptist preacher in me left that I can't get on a stage anywhere and not talk about Jesus at some point. Yeah. Any, any other thoughts about, about this? I mean, I know that like, just in general, like uh, you talked about the video we made that explains Explore Edition, what the point is, why we want to do it. I mean, we do think that there are good reasons for 21st century thinking people to think of these things, and this is one of the things. And if you're talking about consciousness, why would you not give the most information that conscious people have come up with that said this was a real person that really existed? Boom. There you go. See, Nailed it. Yeah. I, 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 no one notices this probably, but I try to mention the resurrection in every sermon I ever do. Really? And uh, I, I didn't see, know that. She's heard more of them than anyone. I, I, <laughs> the word, the concept is in there somewhere because I think it gets left out too much, quite honestly, because it's it's the properly basic message of the Christian faith. What you just said, the identity of Jesus, his death on the cross for the atonement, and his resurrection that sealed his identity and, and, and provides this... Why should you listen to him? This is why, because mm -hmm. he rose again from the dead. And so I think it should be in everything because it's, it's that, it's that ground floor that you're always standing on. And, and again, it was, it was a church service, a Christian church. Uh, and I, again, I love the topic and we'll, we'll swing out even wider on some of the topics that aren't directly related to that. But if the Christ Center worldview is really true, then all things really are connected to that. And that includes consciousness, that includes all those things. So I'm glad you did. And I love the little mini apologetic for it too. But that, yeah, I'm, I'm glad the Southern Baptist preacher thing is in there. Anyway. <laughs> but, but it is. It's, the church was grounded on, started on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's, it's, that, it's that ground floor thing. So uh, you shouldn't leave it out. Uh, even if you only get it in there subtly or just at the end or whatever else, it should always be a little bit of part of everything. It's the opinion. historical centerpiece of the Christian faith. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, last question and <clears throat> folks, you're going to be tempted when I ask this question to go ahead and leave the video because it's going to sound like denouement type material where we're closing things down, but don't because this, <laughs> what I, what we're about to talk about is the reason you as a person who watches apologetic content on YouTube should care that there's this church in a place called Evansville, Indiana called one life network or one life church and the one life network. And it's because you got bigger visions for this. And I'm not the only Christian apologist that you're thinking of having come. Right. Now, we don't have to give specifics or anything, but we talked about this yesterday. How to whiteboard out, brainstorming about it. What, 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 are, you, what are you planning on for the next year? Yeah, it, and you'll have to help me with some of the names because that, that's why we were brainstorming. Uh, well, for the next year... <laughs> We want to continue with with it. We're going to evaluate the whole process in, in this March and kind of go thing. What, what, what was strong about it? What was weak about it? What do we need to change? We're going to do that. But the vision for it is to continue to do this as a regular part of our lives there at the church. We do some of them. The one we did with Braxton, this one had a little bit more production bells and whistles on it. Uh, that was on purpose. You know, we did the Aerosmith song. We dropped some bubbles from the ceiling. We did some light show and video. And, and original, original music. Two original, original music songs. went there. We keep mentioning Aerosmith. We actually had a local local band called the ride the giant that wrote a song for it specifically. And then he also added another one that really fit that he already had that fit the topic. Uh, we'd like to do more of that. We'd like to feature more local musical talent, uh, more original music, uh, more local film art and everything like that uh, when we can. But the goal is to bring in up and coming, uh, uh YouTube apologists and people like that. I think we, is it okay to mention names? I mean, Let's not mention names except okay. the one that has already agreed. Okay. Um, okay. Good. <clears> to yeah, give we'll, you we'll an example, I just talked last night. This is not set in stone or anything yet, but I'm trying. I'd like to get people like Cameron Bertuzzi of Capturing Christianity and I had a conversation. Cameron's very open to it. So, wow. yeah. So uh, that's, that's yeah. one example of, of, so we were brainstorming with Braxton and, and, and Jonathan about who are names that we think would be great at doing this and would be very relatable to the audiences that we're talking about. And then our job as a church is sort of frame them in 
uh, what we do in uh, production, give them a platform and do it in that format. That's uh, something we haven't said on this that we need to say, or that I need to say. One Life is incredible with creative stuff. Cre the creative team there is, and you're on it, Sarah, but it's true. It's um, that you don't understand. Like people are saying, did they, did they get this video from some online? No, they made that video that, that played behind the band when the, when everything started, they made that Jimmy probably made that right. Yeah. The first um, yeah, they, they two original songs, Aerosmith. I'm amazed that we found a guy within 500 miles that can sing like, uh, <laughs> like, like that. And, and like Steven Tyler. And, and you know what? He's one of our music guys at one. Line. Yeah. He's one of our worship leaders. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's great. And people that. have been asking me about, um, the, uh, the slower song that ride the giant performed yeah. and they, people have been asking, where can I get that? We watch the consciousness video over and over again. That's the only that's place right. you can Yeah, they're <laughs> going to try to record it. We were talking about that. But uh, but that's the goal is, is, and especially for people of younger generation, we want to uh, find people that would relate to them and connect them, bring them in and give them that platform, give them that format mm -hmm. and, uh, and also broadcast it. And so, yeah, and so in... Uh, those names I, I'm not as familiar with and Braxton and Jonathan were able to help with that who would be some great people to have and so we filled out our calendar and and uh, I, I can't wait I think it'll be the people that I time. think are gonna say yes that we're gonna have at this thing you're gonna want to start planning trips to Evansville every month to, to be a part of this conference so <laughs> it's right. gonna be it's gonna yeah. be fantastic well um, I've had a blast with this we've been able to answer some fun topics I'm so glad you were here, Sarah. Sarah. Yeah, thank you. If I'm right, yeah, you are only the second female guest on Trinity Radio. I'm happy to represent. And I'm yeah. sorry about the patriarchy. I just, <laughs> yeah, I, I really was gonna say, I don't know if that's a good <laughs> thing or a bad thing. <laughs> but, you, yeah. but so glad that you were here. And uh, Brett, you are um, my favorite uh, pastor in in the Evansville area, and one of my favorite pastors in the world, preachers in the world. And that's why we went to Bethel years ago when you were there, another church in the community. And when One Life started, we were involved in another church doing ministry. But that's why we're so glad to be back with you at One Life is because I know this is wrong. I'm supposed to look into this camera and tell all of you, your local church is not about a man. It's not about a particular personality. And that's true. If it's about any man, it's about Jesus, right? <laughs> but the, the God man. But the fact is... Um, I love all of the all the speakers that we have there. I'll tell you who who I really love just recently is the new um, next gen guy. Chris, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, he was so sure. good. I yeah. bet you've heard that from a lot of people, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. But in general, even though I love all those guys, if it's not Brett Nicholson, I'm like, dang it. Oh man. <laughs> That's right. Sarah thinks the same way. <laughs> Same thing I think. Yeah. yeah. Being facetious there. I thought you were going to say you were, I was your favorite pastor and that lived in your condo unit. That's, that's, <laughs> well, that's, you're that too. Yeah. That, okay. That, For those that, that don't know, Brett and I live, yeah. we tell this all the time, but yeah. it's true. We live in the same condominium complex. And what's funny about it is, is like all but one other uh, family that lives there are like over, over what? 65 or 70 yeah, something, yeah, like that. something like that. Yeah. So it's almost like a retirement community. We had someone <laughs> trying to make it a retirement community. I guess right. they wanted us to just leave. I guess yeah, it was a retirement right. community. That's right. But uh, that's where we live together. And so we go across the street to the shared uh, building that we have, the clubhouse there. And upstairs, there is an old, old, we call it the old man room. It's an old man room. And we sit around these this low lighting the decor hasn't changed in decades or centuries. And we sit there and we talk theology and yeah. It's uh, I, I really feel like since we've been living there, we've talked more and I've, I've yeah, really enjoyed that. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Thanks well, for having us. one person, guys, that guys in the non-gendered use of the term guys, sure. um, one uh, person reached out to me. I went on their podcast just this week and they're going to come visit One Life because they only live about three hours away. And oh, is so, that right? Yeah, wow, okay. it, so I can't we, divulge you that is. I'm going to. I, well, I mean, I wouldn't mind to tell you, but I don't, it's not somebody that lives around here. Oh, okay. Um, okay. They, they run a podcast so. called, I think it's called The Sinner's, The Complete Sinner's Guide or something like oh, okay. that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll let you know when they come, but this has been a blast. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, this took the place of our Friday live stream that usually happens at one o'clock on Friday. So sorry about that. Uh, we'll, we'll have it. Um, well, we might not have it next week. Next week's Thanksgiving. So I don't know. 
It's all up in the air, folks. We don't know. But this has been a blast. Is there anything else you guys want to say in closing out about anything? About anything at all. Talk about Kyle Rittenhouse if you want to. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or not. Yeah. Uh, I, I can throw in, like for yeah. me, even with the Explore Edition, and even when you first said the term consciousness, I'm like, who's asking this question? Like, mm. Who are the people asking this question? And I still am like fascinated when I find out more and more people are asking it. But more than that, you said this, and we had multiple, even when we had questions in it, people saying like, I didn't even know I was interested in this or it was something I needed to think about. And now I'm thinking about it in a new way. So I think that's what's been unique about that. There's a guy named Scott Clifton who is on a soap opera. I think is bold and the beautiful. The one, is that still around? It's I don't still know. On, I, think, yeah. I think that's the one. His name's Scott Clifton. You can look him up and he's an atheist and has a channel. Yeah. And, uh, he and I have communicated quite a bit and he, um, he, I made a video, 10 questions for atheists in 2021. And he was the first one to respond. He made a video responding. And I, one of the questions I asked is, do you think there's any evidence for uh, God? And he mentioned a couple of things. One thing that he mentioned was consciousness. And that was before we had done anything with this. And he said, um, consciousness is one of those evidential chips that falls in favor of theism. The consciousness is more expected if there's a God than it would be if there wasn't a God. We would expect right. if there's a God, agents would be thinking conscious beings. We wouldn't necessarily expect that on naturalism. And so I thought that was pretty cool that we had an atheist, an atheist pointing to consciousness and saying, that's a good reason to believe, I guess. I, he didn't say that, but he said it's, it falls in favor of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. that's a, and I guess that the last thing I would say is the reason that I believe is because the Christian faith as presented in the Bible reflects life as we experience it more than any other worldview that I, I know of. And, uh, and I think, if you look at it, that because it can include consciousness or historic things or uh, afterlife issues, all those things are encompassed in the fullness of that truth. And I think you have to look at it that way. But I hope that people will be open to the fact that our church and I think what connects Braxton and I is that we really do have compassion for people who do struggle with that. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I sympathize with people's doubts and struggles. I get them. And, and, uh, and you want to provide a place online and we want to provide a place in a physical building that really actually provides a form a forum where people can wonder about these things out loud and think about them and on a, on a level that's respectable and solid. So, well, if everything goes according to plan, um, if you continue to follow Trinity radio in my ministry specifically, you will, you will see more of Brett Nicholson and I doing things <laughs> together. I think, uh, we've got some other plans, but listen, right. this has been a blast. Thank y'all for showing up. I really appreciate it. And listen, folks, if you would like to support what we're doing here, you can uh, go to patreon.com slash Trinity Radio. Patreon.com slash Trinity Radio. It's linked in the description every week. <laughs> Maybe not this week, but most weeks. We not only do a live show that's public, we also do a live stream for patrons. And we even throw out the, the link to come in and talk to us right there on screen. So uh, love for you to do that. A dollar a month and you could be in the door. But if you don't do that, we'll keep producing this stuff. Uh, just because we love you, we love atheists, we love uh, our king, and this is what we believe he wants us to do. So this has been a blast, and we'll see you next time on Trinity Radio.